0: step Bradley with the dunk and you can put it in the book and send it for the left. there it is buddy hill alone at the top of the king's record book well, i like to see fox force five in the open court. into
1: the lane oh if you don't like that you don't like king's basketball
2: oh. welcome back to another episode of the king's pulse podcast my name is bernie nunez got rich ivanowski on here like we usually do how you doing rich
1: I'm doing wonderful today, Brendan. In fact, I'm maybe doing better than ever, uh, because we have my friend and uh, co-author at Sacktown Royalty, and, and a man who's I've never actually been on the podcast with at the same time, but a frequent guest of the show, Tim Maxwell. How you doing, man?
0: Doing good, doing good. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm glad you're finally willing to be on at the same time as me, and we can maybe hash out this whole Andrew Wiggins truth at some point while we're on. Uh, but uh, thanks
2: for having me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned it. My first question was, who would you rather have, Austin Rivers or Andrew Wiggins?
0: Um, now I would rather have Austin Rivers.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. If,
0: we're, if we're counting contracts here, for
1: sure. Right. If the contracts... I mean, either, either way, honestly. Yeah, I, probably I, either I,
0: way,
1: though. I think I would prefer Austin Rivers. But that's they're coming in hot, Tim. Uh, this is... <laughs> A very odd t- This is, so just for anyone out there, I have the receipts. Tim, uh, wanted to trade Bogdan Bogdanovich for Andrew Wiggins. Oh, well, let me amend that. Bogdan plus picks for Wiggins. And, uh, I did not feel that way. And Tim feels such shame around this that he's conducted uh, espionage via burners disleading uh, uh, the, the people into thinking that it was me who actually felt this way so that hurts Tim
0: well uh, you DM'd me multiple times I have the screenshots but um, you I don't have... need to pay attention to what the name says on the screenshots
2: Yeah, I have the DM right here Hi, hey That's Tim right, yeah. I know I keep denying that I wanted Wiggins publicly but I wanted to admit privately that I was the one who put the idea in your head please don't tell Brandon
1: yeah, quite frankly, it is such a feeble sham of an attempt to frame me for this that I I feel I'm not going to honor it with uh, any further discussion. But we are here today to talk rotations with the Kings, and you know what else we're here to talk about? I'm sorry, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna divert us again. We're gonna get into some really fun stuff today, talking Kings. But I gotta ask about some food stuff because this is what I've always really wanted to talk to you about, Tim. You're a man of very bold tastes when it comes to food. And I think recently your most, your hottest, most recent take is that what is it? Chocolate? Is not good? No, no,
0: chocolate's good. It's just, not, okay. People took that as chocolate's not good. Chocolate's good, but a fruit based dessert will always be better than a chocolate t- fr- uh, based dessert. So if I've got like a really good fruit dessert, it's better than a really good chocolate dessert 100% of the time. And I will never, ever, ever back down from that take. My wife vehemently disagrees with me, by the way.
1: I actually agree with that completely. I'm a, I'm a pie man. I'm, uh, overcake. Definitely taking a fruit tart or anything fruity. Give me a, I had a really nice, like, lemon meringue. Anyone who's, uh, lives in downtown Sacramento knows Rick's Dessert Diner. I do not live far from there and they absolutely smash the pie game. It, it's delicious. Uh, so I'll have to cook up some more questions for you about some food stuff, but we actually do agree. Maybe we have more common ground than we think. <laughs>
0: So and, you well, know, if you want to have right takes,
1: then you agree with me. That's how it goes. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to some King's talk here, uh, we, we got you in, uh, just kind of a, a semi-emergency podcast because this new tool was released by Jeff Siegel over at early bird rights, uh, earlybirdrights.com. He's been on the podcast before. Jeff is a uh, cap expert. And he has now released this tool through that website that allows you to create rotations, uh, based on the current rosters. You can go in there. You can pencil in whoever you want at any position at any minute in the game, create your own subs, create your own lineups. It's really a lot of fun. It's very addicting. So, uh, we saw that you were on this very quickly, Tim. And I know Brennan and I were talking about it immediately as well. So, uh, yeah, what have you, what have you seen, uh, from from early bird rights, and uh, what have you been doing on there so far? Just messing around with it, Tim.
0: Yeah, definitely creating lineups. It's it's more challenging than you think it's going to be. I mean, I can't imagine NBA coach actually coming up on a lineup plan and how often we criticize those. Um, but, yeah, it's been really fun, and what you can do is, like you said, you can substitute people in and out, and you have to account for a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center at all times. I and mean, then it really helps you um, kind of calculate what, what the team's going to look like, and especially with a team like the Kings who added several important free agents uh, where they where they fall in the lineup and, and whose minutes are they taking or who's taking
1: their minutes from last
0: year so really helpful tool um, probably take you 10 15 minutes to get through it your first time but
1: definitely worth the time yeah it's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of fun it's it's actually hard in, in, in a good way it's actually hard to get everyone the minutes that they deserve on this King's team because there is I mean this team is just what 11 12 guys deep now. Um, of guys that deserve rotation minutes and and maybe there'll be some people disappointed maybe some players are gonna be disappointed but we want to run through uh, what we feel like are the best base rotations for this team and, and again like you said Tim it's we can't we can't like put it in those terms really because coaches are gonna it's gonna be a lot more uh, intricate than that there's gonna be a lot of matchup based stuff you obviously we can't just have one set of rotations that's going to work for every team every situation but we wanted to run down uh going by player how, what role we envision for that player any comments we have on the rotations and the lineups that they'll be best in so we're going to do that just starting with you know going down the the list the way that early bird has them set up which is generally point guard all the way down to center and we want to start off with yogi Farrell. so uh, I'm going to give some brief comments on here, but then I'm going to leave it to you guys to talk about him because I couldn't find any minutes in the rotation for Yogi Ferrell. He is an exciting player. He does bring value to the team, but he might be the 12th best guy on this team as well. And I just can't right now with the situation with Fox as the starter, the obvious starter and Joseph as a backup that is being paid a significant amount of money and deserves quite a few minutes himself. I was not able to find a role for Yogi Ferrell Uh, How about you, Brendan?
2: I actually was the same thing. And it's because I feel like Fox should have the most minutes per game on this team. So much of the identity goes around him being one of, if not the fastest player in the league. And like you mentioned, Corey Joseph is a great backup. Uh, for 12 million, you know, if Fox is getting 34, and then there's 14 left for Joseph and maybe some minutes next to Fox as well. I can't find much room for Yogi there. My thought of maybe where he could slip in is if the secondary unit is struggling a little bit offensively. I think Yogi's an upgrade on the offensive end over Joseph, but when I was making these lineups, I left Yogi with nothing.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you two. Uh, I've got zero minutes for Yogi. And um, similar to what you guys said, Fox is going to get 32 to 35 minutes a game. Joseph's the better player. He's making more money. Um, he's a defensive wizard, probably the best backup defensive guard in the league and one of the best defensive guards in the league statistically and uh, for impact as well. So outside of injury minutes and like you mentioned, maybe the occasional offensive punch, because he's a much better shooter and scorer than Joseph. Uh, he, he's not getting off the bench
1: for me. Yeah. So I agree with you guys about Yogi. And I, am glad you pointed out, you both pointed out that he could provide that extra offensive punch. And I definitely do see that coming, uh, in, in Joseph's role, cutting into Joseph's role. If the kings are down late, especially, and they need to make a mad dash to uh, get back in the game, you take Joseph off and you put Pharaoh in there and maybe just go with like the best, the highest powered offensive and shooting lineup that you can. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be tough to see uh, how that all plays out, but we are on to perhaps the biggest star of the team, almost definitely the biggest star on the team, at least for now, uh, Darren Fox. I heard, uh, I think I heard you guys mention some higher levels of minutes than I personally would go. I have him at 30 minutes. And to me, that feels like the sweet spot where you're not wearing this guy out. Uh, you're giving him you know intermittent rest to the point where he's not going to be thibodeau or anything and you do because of his athleticism and because of how important that explosiveness is to his game I personally am happy with him at 30 minutes and I don't really need to describe why I'm giving him starter minutes we all know that he's a stud but uh, with that in mind I'll kick it over to you Brendan.
2: Yeah, I had him a little bit higher just because I think there's a jump being made by him again. And I think that, uh, like we've said many times, the identity of this team really revolves around him. And he can be the centerpiece of that. It feels different when he is on the floor compared to off. But you have a good point. And you got me thinking that, you know, it, you have the opportunity to lower those minutes a little bit. Maybe that 30-minute mark about what you're saying compared to the 34 I went into this with. Because you have such a great backup in Joseph, so I can I, I'm getting there with you to that 30. I'll go 30 to 32 range. What do you think, Tim?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right between you guys. I'm at 32 minutes. Uh, he averaged 31.4 last year, so right about the same range. Um, one interesting thing is Luke Walton likes to play his young guys a lot of minutes. Uh, Lonzo pre-LeBron averaged 34. Ingram at uh, averaged 34. Kuzma averaged 31 in uh, the season before LeBron came over. So I think we'll see Walton push. I know some fans were frustrated last year by sometimes Fox sitting too long un- under Jaeger leadership. And, and like you mentioned, Brendan, Joseph being there helps that because it's not Yogi Ferrell substituting in who's, who's not quite the level of Corey Joseph. So I've got him at 32. I think we're all in agreement that um, he'll, he'll average about eight minutes a quarter or so.
2: Yeah, no, totally agree there. There's not too much wiggle room with Fox's minutes. Um, I think the more interesting one comes next. Is we got Corey Joseph. What do you got for him, Rich?
1: Yeah. So I I, I like what Tim has said there. And if you know, if you put him at 32 minutes a game, generally they're going to the player is going to average a little bit less than that, just because there will be blowout situations and stuff like that where you don't need Fox to play at the end of the game if the Kings are up big. So you know, I think that you know, like like Tim, you, you mentioned the eight minutes a quarter or something like that, if possible. That gets you there, uh, certainly. And then, uh, yeah, moving on to Corey Joseph, I do feel like he needs a significant role, but I could not find any minutes for him at shooting guard, just simply with the talent there, with Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich. So I have Corey Joseph getting the rest of the point guard minutes. So I put Fox at 30 minutes, and then I'm giving Joseph 18, so the, the remaining 18 minutes at point guard. Uh, what do you think about that Brendan
2: got it yeah I, I did about the same math there since I put my minutes at 32 for Fox I had 16 for Joseph but I also think that uh I, I agree with you there's a lot of depth at the shooting guard with healed and Bogdanovich but both of those guys have their defensive struggles and like Tim mentioned Joseph is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league so I think that he will be able to sneak in some minutes there I put him about a 20 minute mark what do you have for him,
0: Tim? I've got him at 16, so again, kind of right between you guys. Um, I, I I didn't really find any minutes for him at shooting guard either, like Rich said. I think there going to be times where he plays next to Fox, and the Kings will run probably even a three-guard line at the times with uh, Fox, Joseph, and either Buddy or Bogey. Uh, I couldn't find it in my actual lineup, but I'm, I'm sure that will happen at times, and it's it was really hard to put him at 16 minutes because he aver- he's averaged 25 minutes a game over the last four years for playoff teams. So it seems a little shocking to to drop his minutes um, almost by half um, when he was playing for-, for playoff teams. But he also wasn't playing with the Calvary Point guard at the Fox. So he's playing with Collison and, and other guys. So um, I've got him at 16. I think he might creep up a little bit higher than that. I'm not sure who's sacrificing their minutes to make that happen. Um, but like was mentioned, maybe if we're having a defensive struggle, he'll, he'll gain some minutes over Vokey or Buddy at some point. Um, but yeah, 16 feels about right for him for with the talent we have on this team.
2: Yeah. And then my, my follow-up question to that would be, do you think that that's upsetting to Joseph at all? I don't remember where it was, but I remember reading that part of the thought of overpaying Joseph a bit was him understanding there was going to be a little bit less minutes, but like you mentioned, I mean, 25 the last four years going down to this 16-ish range, do you think that's potentially upsetting to Joseph Rich?
1: Um, you know, I do and I don't. I think that I think that 18 uh, or so as a baseline of minutes, and then, like you mentioned that really smartly, I think he'll get supplementary minutes at shooting guard in the situation where the Kings have a lead and they want to keep it. So, you know, there are times where you would want to take Heald off the court, bogey off the court in that two spot play Joseph there just make sure that the you know the defense is, is locked down so I could see him oh uh, you know or also when a situation when the lead is in hand and Fox doesn't need to be on the court I think he could bump up to around 20 and and you know with the payday with his age you know I, I think that that's a, a totally respectable situation for him to be in but I will now uh move us on to the shooting guard position. It seems like we've got all the point guard minutes out of the way here. And up next is uh, Buddy Love. Obviously, Buddy's going to get a ton of minutes. It's going to be a question of uh, what, how many minutes as a starter. I think we've all got him as our starter. I would guess around 30 minutes at least for each of us. Uh, I also have him at 30, just as I did for Fox. Same logic. And I also have him kind of... With Fox in every scenario, because I think that his shooting really does unlock what Fox does best with the speed. He just needs a guy that's going to be able to camp out at the three point line and just be one of the best shooters in the absolute in the league, uh, right beside him. So I've got Buddy at
2: 30 minutes. Do you have him around there, Brendan? I have the exact same number for Buddy. And interestingly, a lot of the lineups I found myself putting him with Fox most of the times that they were on the floor that one of them was on I found myself putting the other one there and uh I think next year he's still probably the best scorer on this team I think that we think that Fox and Bagley will overtake him eventually but it still feels like Buddy's the number one right now and I think 30 minutes um as an average sounds about right for him where were you at with uh, his number Tim?
0: Yep, uh, had him similar range, thirty-three minutes a game. He averaged thirty-two last year. I think he'll hover. You know, he's he's not going to really make make a major jump defensively, offensively. He's going to be a similar player that we saw last year to this year. Not that he won't make small improvements, but I think same player gets about the same amount of minutes. And, and like you too, um, I had him mostly with Fox. I just counted up twenty-eight of his thirty-three minutes. I had him lined up with Fox. Um, like you mentioned, Rich, he's he's the shooter. He's going to open up the floor for Fox especially with his drives um, and paired with dead men will be a really good combination as well. Um, I guess my question for you, Brendan. do you think he's going to increase um, his three point attempts? He was at eight per game last year. Do we want to see that bump up with, with the same minutes or do we think that's pretty acceptable?
2: I I don't think it takes a major jump. You know, I think it could maybe go up an attempt or so uh, just because Walton's system seems to generate a bit more three point shooting. Uh, But, I mean, how many more threes can you really ask for from a guy? You know, it's it's a lot, and he's shooting him at a high clip. So I don't think it takes a massive jump, but I think that you'll see it increase a little bit. It was like you said, it was about eight last year. Maybe he's that eight and a half mark?
1: Yeah, that feels about right. Um, we, there's a pretty you know there's been a consensus here so far. But uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is up next, he feels kind of like an X factor. Uh, he is the first guy that I have on this list to play multiple positions in my rotation. Um, I actually have him coming in in the first sub uh, at small forward, where I have Dwayne, Dwayne Dedman coming off the court, Bagley moving up to center, Barnes moving up to power forward, and I have Bogey sliding into the three here. Uh, but he's only going to play a total of six minutes for me at small forward, and he's going to get the rest of the shooting guard minutes as well. So the 18 minutes left over from Buddy at the two spot, uh, plus an extra six minutes at small forward during some small ball lineups. So I've got Bogey at 24 minutes. Uh, how about you, Brendan?
2: Yeah. So he is my first sub as well, but I struggle taking Deadman out and moving Bagley to the five only because you also have Rashawn Holmes and Giles. And I think that Giles can play the four next to Bagley, but I like him being next to Bagley. So Bagley was my first sub. I moved Barnes to the four and have Bogey play the three with Buddy at the two. But I have about the same amount of minutes here. I have 25, like you mentioned, first guy that's going to play multiple positions, even though I think um, him having a more consistent role at the two is going to be good for him this year. And I want him really running the bench. So 25 minutes felt like a good amount for Bogey there. Um, What do you think, Tim? And do you possibly have him closing games at times?
0: I've got him uh, a little bit lower than you guys, and that that was a tough one. Uh, He averaged 28 minutes a game last year and as a rookie as well, and I've got him down to 21. Um, I really, I had Buddy higher than both of you, so I think that's part of it. Um, I think Buddy's going to be so key to us next year. Uh, Similar to Rich, I do have him playing six minutes a game at small forward. Um, a little bit different though. I have him closing the halves at small forward. So I've got the Kings closing the second half and closing games. Again, this is in general, uh, with Fox at the one, Buddy at the two, Bogey at the three, uh, Barnes at the four, and Bagley at the five. Um, so I've got him at the small forward toward the end of the games just because I think the Kings are going to close with their five best players. And I think those will be their five best players, um, come around next year. Uh, but the shooting shooting guard minutes were lower just because of that buddy playing more, more minutes per game um, than either of you. So that's where I'm sitting at 21 minutes per game. Um, I don't have him playing point guard at all, which will be a, a big change from last year, but I think that'll be a good change for him.
2: Yeah, and you were talking about him being in the closing lineups. That was Bagley at the five for that, right? That's correct, yeah. Okay, and then... My my only hesitation with that is I would need to see Bagley take a jump as a rim protector because I think Deadman does everything perfectly. Um, I just love the presence that he brings. It's really hard for me to not put him in these best lineups. Uh, where are you at with that, Rich?
1: You know, I actually need to amend what I mentioned earlier. Uh, that first sub I have, I have Deadman and Bagley coming off, so both both bigs coming off, and I actually had Bogdan coming onto the three. Barnes moving up to the four, and then I have Holmes uh, coming out at the five. So you've got a ton of, of range, a ton of shooting among Fox, Heald, uh, Bogey, Barnes, and then you've got, uh, you know, a, a tremendous powerful roller in Rashawn Holmes who can also protect the paint. So that does make it a little bit easier for me to play three guards uh, in a lineup here. Uh, but I, and I also am, am more secure. And knowing that those minutes, those three-guard minutes, uh, are not going to be at the end of the game. I have them kind of in the, the around the late first quarter and the early fourth quarter. Uh, but I like that. I like the boldness from Tim. And I think that by the end of the year, there's a real possibility that that is the best five players on this team. And therefore, you know, will make a lot of sense as a closing lineup. Uh, but up next, I've got a, a guy here that I found no minutes for and I have no real comment on uh, we can probably run through this one pretty quickly, but I had zero for Justin James. Do you have anything going on here, Brendan?
2: No, I got nothing. Um, we like the guy, but it's going to be a whole lot of Stockton run for him. And with the depth that we're talking about with this team, I don't see minutes for Justin James. You got anything for him, Tim?
0: Same, except for, uh, outside of blowups, he's not playing. And even if blow blowups, he's probably not playing.
2: Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy.
1: Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, We'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse, and we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it, and and thank you very much for listening.
2: Yep. And the next guy here is another one of those that I had pretty high ups minute-wise that's going to play the three and the four. His role was a little controversial last year. What are you feeling about Harrison Barnes, Rich?
1: So I have Barnes at the 30-minute mark as well. And I know that people are highly critical of Barnes for reasons that genuinely escape me. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I get it because he he did so poorly in Dallas, but... Um, uh, he was really misused. I, I, will, I will take the opportunity to plug a piece that I wrote recently on Barnes and his misuse in Dallas and how the Kings aren't doing that. They're using him almost identically to how the Warriors used him, and it so far has been good in Sacramento, and it was really good in, in Golden State as well to the point where, you know, he got a max deal, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and so I have him uh, splitting some time between the three and the four. I have him primarily as a three. It makes sense for me to open games and close games at the three. Uh, I have the same sort of breakdown as I did with Bogey, where he just in the in the minutes where Bogey plays the three, I have Barnes at the four to maximize some shooting there. Uh, so I have Barnes with 30 minutes total, six of those coming at power forward and 24 at the three. Uh, what about you, Brendan?
2: Yeah, I have him at 30 minutes as well. You know, last year it was only 28 games, but he played 34 minutes per game in those games. And I think that it's a similar thing with the Fox and Buddy where I like him with the starting guys. And it feels like there wasn't a crazy amount of staggering that I was necessarily doing. Um, a bit like with Bogey, but most of the time it felt like there was a bench lineup and the starting lineup and Barnes does everything that you would want from a wing, the same, similar to Deadman there, where he's not high usage. You can run a lot through Fox and Bogey and just let him do his three and D, can create a bit when you need him to, and slide to the four when Bogey comes in. I have him at that same mark of 30 minutes there. What do you, where do you have Barnes at, Tim?
0: I'm at 32, so right around the same, same minutes. Um, I just, like what you said, Rich. People have an issue with Barnes, some Kings fans. I think some people um, conflate Barnes and the trade deadline and the Kings collapsing shortly thereafter. I mean, they were in the playoff race, and then shortly after the trade deadline, um, they pretty quickly saw out of it, and that was due to Bogie's injury, uh, Buley's slump, uh, Bagley's injury. I mean, there were all sorts of things going on, and, and although Barnes came in at that same moment, it was important for us to realize that that wasn't on him. I mean, he averaged 14 and 5 on 41% shooting from 3. Um, and he's he's one of the most important members of the team. Um, he's really the only consistent shooter that can play both. He can, he can play the combo forward like can play either at the 3 or the 4. Um, so he's going to be really important for this team, similar to Rich. I had him mostly at the small forward. I had him at power forward for um, 6 minutes a game, similar to Bogey at the 3. and then uh, But most of the time, at small forward. And he can pick up 2s, um, 3s, and 4s on defense, which would be great for this team.
2: Yep, and the next guy we got on this list started 70 games last year. Don't think that's going to be the same here, but what are you feeling for Professor Big Shots Nemanja Bielitsa, Rich?
1: Yeah, I've got an interesting role here for Bielitsa, but I just wanted to comment on what Tim mentioned with the, the association of Barnes with the Kings falling off. I actually heard a podcast the other day I'm not going to name names, but the the person on this podcast was saying that uh, when the Kings traded for Barnes, that's when everything fell apart and was very clearly implying that it was because of the trade for Barnes, which is like spectacularly <laughs> lazy analysis because it, I mean, this is just, it's so clearly from someone that maybe watched one or two Kings games, but, but I digress. I, I obviously i am very frustrated. I wrote a ton of words about this. So, You can check that out there. But for Bielitsa, I actually have him having a significant role. Uh, It's 12 minutes, not a ton. It's not a ton of minutes. And like you said, Brendan, it's a big step down from what he had last year. I believe he had closer to double that last year. And he was a starter for much of the season. But I have him coming in first half of the second quarter, second half of the third quarter. And we're using him as a spacer here because guys like... Giles and Holmes, these sorts of uh, backup bigs, they don't have much of a shot or have not proven that they have much of a shot yet. So I think I kind of view Bielica as sort of the training wheels for uh, those big men at the five. So I've got Bielica at 12 minutes. How about you, Brendan?
2: I actually have him at the exact same number. Um, You can't underrate, like you're saying, the spacing, the 40% from deep. He shouldn't have necessarily played as much as he did last year, or maybe I shouldn't say that, but there's a reason that he got that opportunity. The spacing that he provided to Fox, who loves to get into the lane, is just so vital. And if Bagley can't take that step, I actually debated uh, Bielita potentially being one of my first subs here and having Bagley because I like the idea of Bagley being able to run with Giles in that second unit. But I have him about that 12-minute mark. I think that uh, he's a very complete offensive player. And as long as he's guarding backup fours, that he can be okay in that regard. So are you thinking about the same here, Tim? Or what was your number for Bielita?
0: Yeah, I'm, this is the first diversion any one of us are taking from the other two, a major diversion. So let me build a fence here real quick. Um, I think we all can agree. So one of the frustrations with Jaeger last year from players that we kind of heard um both spoken aloud and through just different channels is that guys didn't feel like they knew their role or, or when they were going to play, especially some of the backup guys. So we've got Bielitsa, Bagley, Holmes, Giles, Deadman, plus small ball minutes for um, Ariza and Barnes next year. So someone's going to fall out of the rotation at some point. And I had it as Bielitsa. Um, it's difficult. You know, Holmes is a really good rim protector um, and he's, probably the best roller to the rim on the team. Um, you got Giles, who's kind of the up-and-coming. Uh, the Kings want him to be a star. And then Bielitsa, who's your who's your specialty floor spacer. And uh, he averaged about, what, 23 minutes a game last year. I have Deadman in the same range of minutes, and I think he's going to provide a similar role as the big man spacer. I, I can definitely see your 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 two arguments for Bielitsa playing. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he, if he played over one of the other two backup bigs, but as of right now, I've got Dedman as your spacer, Bagley maybe as your spacer, and then um, Giles and Holmes as your defenders, uh, rim rollers, things like that. So for me, I've got him uh, at zero minutes per game and falling out of the rotation. Uh, Brendan, tell me if I'm crazy.
2: No, I agree. You put out a tweet the other day saying that some one of those bigs is going to fall out of the rotation, and I think I just have in an- unpopular opinion on who that's going to be. I think that uh, Bielitsa is a consistent player, and I, I like the spacing that he's going to bring. And if this team really is going to be a playoff uh, contender like we're hoping, that I think uh, getting somebody that you know what you're getting when you put him on the floor is going to be vital there. So what's what's your thoughts on that, Rich?
1: So I do think you're a little bit crazy, Tim. Uh, and not just for your food That's takes, okay. but <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get your logic here, but I, so I want, I want to bring this back to the way we all felt about Willie Cauley Stein. It was never about Willie Cauley Stein. Truly the concerns about why the Kings were struggling with Willie Cauley Stein was to do with the need for a rim protector and a floor spacer in the front court. You, you need to have at least one of those things, but you really, you really desperately want both. You want at least one player on your team who is a big man that – at least one that can rim protect and at least one that can shoot. That's going to give you the most optimal lineup for the modern NBA. So I think any situation where – and I don't have your lineup in front of me to look, but any situation where you don't have both a spacer and a rim protector – that's I think that's going to be a, a problem reminiscent of Willie Cauley-Stein's issues with the Kings. And uh, you're also not going to get the benefit of the intense sort of speed and, and rim running that he gave you there. You know, perhaps you are as long as Badley's on the court. But I only have six minutes of the game, six minutes in my rotations, where I don't have a floor spacer on the court as a big man. I tried to stagger this so that Deadman and Bialica... Uh, together they're playing, uh, 36 minutes here. And I try to try to find a way to, uh, I'm sorry. That is, yeah, 36 minutes. So I'm trying to find a way that we have, uh, at least one shooter on the court. Oh, and I'm looking at the six minutes of Barnes at the four as well. So there's really only six minutes where I've got Holmes and Giles teamed up together in the deep second unit portion of my lineup where there's not a floor spacing big man uh, and I think it's just really important for guys like Bagley, guys like Giles, guys like Holmes to have that, that uh, floor spacer there. So I, I just, I think that there's someone will fall out of the rotation, but I think that could happen due to injury. I think it could happen uh, due to poor play. I don't think that the best way to approach the season at the beginning is to look at the guy who was maybe the best shooter among the big men on this team and, and rule him out. But I understand where you're coming from. Uh, Let's move on to Trevor Ariza here. So this is another guy that obviously has some talent. I think that there's a little bit less excitement about him when compared to Deadman or Joseph or even Holmes. But it does feel that he's deserving of a significant role. And he's the only other true small forward on this team outside of Harrison Barnes. So I've got him essentially matched up with Corey Joseph's role where he is the backup at his position. He's the backup three and he gets 18 minutes a game and like, it's just so it's kind of plug and play for me right there. But what do you think, Brennan?
2: Yeah, I have the same here for him and and it's rough because it's the same thing like you mentioned as Joseph. I mean, there was only one year that he played under 33 minutes since 2009 this guy just has consistently played good minutes because he is a serviceable player. It's similar to Barnes where he's low usage, just plays his role, has switchability. But he's getting a little bit on the older side now. He's 34. I have him at that 17-minute mark. I think that um it, it's the same thing. I would rather have Barnes on the floor, but the minutes that you're not able to have Barnes, um, I'm totally comfortable putting Ariza out there. I have him at that seventeen minute mark, one below you. What sort of range are you at, Tim?
0: Yeah, same, same exact. I've got him at eighteen minutes. Um, similar to what Rich said, pretty much purely as a small forward. He had a really rough year last year, both performance and efficiency wise. I think he'll bounce back with a smaller role on a better team, um, with better defenders and shooters around him. I think he'll have um he'll have more of a of a rockets like impact, but sounds or a wizards like impact, although he won't be the same player. Um I guess the question for you, Brandon, is do you think the Kings need another small forward on the team? They've got uh, Barnes and Ariza, and then literally, and then I guess Justin James, if you want to count him as small forward, do you think we should have added someone like Corey Brewer or another maybe that minimum type player this summer?
2: I would have liked it, but I don't think it's necessary. I think that you can play bogey at the small forward at times, and if you wanted to get a little bit spicy with it you could even maybe put bogey uh buddy out of three and if you had fox and joseph as the lineup so i don't think it's necessary but i definitely would have liked uh you mentioned brewer brewer specifically i it would have been nice to bring him back on the roster but i think between barnes and areza you can cover all your small forward minutes there throwing some of them at bogey too
1: I actually think it's interesting that you're talking about this in the past tense because I think there's still moves to be made. Uh, I don't see Caleb Swanigan as being a part of this team going forward. So there could be a chance there to open up a roster spot. Uh, we don't know how the next guy on the list, Tyler Lydon, is really gonna, if he's gonna be a part of this team. I think there's still, you know, a, there's room there to add Corey Brewer and specifically it is Corey Brewer that I want. Uh, I also would be very interested in Thabo But basically, I would like very much so, as you mentioned, Tim, to add a third small forward here, and specifically one that can defend opposing small forwards, because I don't think that Bogey and Heald have proven that they can do that. So I, I very much would like to add a third uh, three there. But we'll move on to Leiden, and I got a big fat zero for him. Although the one thing I'll point out about the signing of Leiden is I will offer this up as evidence that the Kings still very much value the stretch four position because I'll offer that as sort of proof that Bielitsa's role is not truly in danger of dropping to zero because I think with the investment in Leiden as well as when Gabriel Gabriel uh, on a two-way I think that the Kings are keenly aware of how much Bielitsa helped this team and they also know that he's getting older and he's got some uh, I know he's going through some limitations with playing time uh, in the in the FIBA World Cup right now. So I think that they're trying to find a replacement for Bielitsa, not necessarily for this year, but for the following season. And so I think that is still a role of interest And Leiden's kind of here for a tryout for to replace Bielitsa down the road. But any thoughts on him or, or do you have him with any minutes here, Brendan?
2: No, I, I don't have any minutes for Leiden. I think that, like we mentioned, there's a lot of these stretch fours and a lot of bigs on the roster that, uh, you know, maybe he gets a little bit of a tryout, but I can't justify playing him over Bielitsa. Yeah, him here. Um,
0: zero minutes. I'm not sure that he makes the team. Didn't really do much uh, when he was in Denver, so I've got nothing for him.
2: Yeah, and the next one here is one of our... Prize possessions is Marvin Bagley the third, and this one it was difficult for me to find as much minutes as I wanted to. It really it felt that through a lot of the roster. But what sort of number were you looking at for Bagley, Rich?
1: So I have him as my fourth player with thirty minutes, and uh, that is the the most minutes that I allocated for any player. Uh, I had Fox there, I had Heald there, I had Barnes there. And then Bagley is the fourth guy that reaches that mark for me. Um, I got that extra six minutes for him uh, moving up into the center position. But uh, generally, you know, his base position at power forward, I think he starts games and I also have him closing games there. And so I've got him 24 minutes at the power forward spot and six at center. Although I expect his minutes at center to increase as he bulks up, adds, adds weight and develops his, uh, defensive interior game what about you Brendan where did you end up with him
2: I ended up with 28 minutes here and I think it could be a little higher like you're saying but with the depth of the bigs it was it, it was difficult to find more I wanted to but at the same time I needed minutes for Holmes Giles and Dedman and Bielita there as well Barnes at the four so I struggled to find a lot of center minutes for him because of the same things I said, Holmes and Deadman really got those minutes for me. I guess actually when you had him with Giles, I would call Bagley the center there and Giles the four, but I ended up with 28 minutes here and wouldn't be surprised if it ended up a little bit higher though. Where were you at with Bagley, Tim? Uh,
0: I came out a little higher than both of you. I came out with 33 minutes. Uh, To your point, Brendan, um, I don't, I don't need to find minutes for Holmes and Giles or the Alita or Deadman because Bagley is my best big man. So I'm going to get him minutes first. And then I kind of kind of teared down from there for the rest of because I've got him at six minutes a game at center. So similar to Rich, um, he, he's easily the best big man on the Kings next year. He was the best big man on the Kings last year, to be frank. Um, and I think he's going to get close to that 2010 mark, although that's going to be difficult for him um to hit for sure uh but for me i've got him at 33 like i said and i think he's just he's going to explode next year and another off season in the weight room um, understanding better rebounding positioning will be good for him and then just even having um better teammates around him with bonds at the three for a full year and deadman at the five for a full year i think he's going to explode and, and be the second best player from the 2018 class next year for sure
2: yeah, I mean, I definitely have no issues with that. And I think you do have a good point where Bagley should be the priority there. Um, I would, I, I don't know. I think that Deadman is going to be pretty vital here. It sounds like I'm a little higher on Deadman than both of you guys. And I know you very much like Deadman, but minute wise. And, uh, it, and it's going to vary. I think sometimes you're going to be able to have Bagley at the five and then there's other teams that you go up against that have a real traditional big that I don't know how much I'm comfortable with him banging down low. And the step that's going to need him, that's going to get him more minutes for me is going to be the rim protection. Uh, just being in the right spot on help defense. But what are your thoughts on uh, Tim giving a little bit more minutes to Bagley there, Rich? The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: So I I think that Tim is doing a better job of looking forward than I am because I I think I have this set as very much, you know, who these players are right now, but we're talking about a full season. Um, And so I, I think that Tim is accounting for more growth throughout that season than I am. Um, so, you know, I think, I, I, think 30 minutes for Bagley makes sense right now, but if he does bloom and blossom into a uh, truly, like Tim mentioned, maybe the second best player in this draft class and this previous draft class, then absolutely give him as many minutes as you can. But I think as, on day one, I think that there's a case to be made that Deadman is the best big on this team, uh, simply because he has shown, you know, with the plus minus stuff, with the rim protection, with the shooting, I I don't mean in terms of raw talent. He's obviously not doesn't have as much raw talent as Bagley, but in terms of contributing to wins day one, I think I think Dedman is probably the better player. Uh, again, you know, opening night, but I still have Bagley with more minutes. Of course, I got him at thirty, uh, and then we can move on to. Uh, this is where it's going to get tough, I think, for both, for all three of us uh, and, for, and for the coaching staff as well, uh, moving into the Holmes and Giles conversation here in just a second. But starting with Holmes, I've got him at 12 minutes. Uh, I have him at the center position in all 12 of those minutes. Uh, and I have him surrounded by shooters so that he is kind of the, the one rule man, the one guy that can't shoot when he is on the floor. But uh, yeah, I mean, 12 is is the the best that I can do right now for Holmes. And I think that he could, you know, I think he could easily deserve more than that, especially if the chemistry works out. And if he continues to improve, he's still fairly young and he could definitely take another step forward. But 12 minutes is where I'm at. Where are you at, Brendan?
2: I have Holmes at 14 minutes and a lot of it comes down to Holmes versus Giles, it felt like for this backup. And I found myself putting Holmes with more of the starters. Uh, I felt like what he did was very complimentary, and I think that he does that at a great level. So I think that, like you mentioned, he's one of the best role guys, that having him there to rim protect, roll, and run the floor uh, around the fast-paced starting lineup works well. I got him 14 minutes, and I like Giles more so when it's the bench and you need a little bit more playmaking. So I have 14 for Holmes. Uh, two up on you, Rich. Where are you at with that, Tim?
0: Some of the lowest marked uh, but similar. I'm at 10 minutes per game. Traditional kind of backup center type role. Um, a lot of that's going to depend on how Giles is playing and how Bagley's playing. That probably will be a big impact on how much Holmes gets to play. Uh, great rim runner, pretty solid rim protector. He can also switch out on the perimeter, which is something really the other big men maybe minus giles can do effectively so it'll be big for the kings um, but 10 minutes a game feels about right for a guy who um, signed for two years 10 million I, I don't think we need to play him much more and outside of an unexpected explosion i don't think he'll play much more
2: yeah and i don't know about you guys but i feel like we can probably roll over caleb swanigan here next i got nothing for him
1: yeah you will hear no <laughs> objections from me there <laughs>
2: might be entertaining.
1: Yeah, so I'll just jump to Giles then because yeah, I mean I don't think we even any of us even think Swanigan will be on the team uh, opening night except for maybe as a maybe just as a salary filler trade piece if they choose not to bring in Brewer or Cephalosho or another another vet. But yeah, moving on to Giles here. Maybe the trickiest guy to figure out simply because when he is healthy and when he is not in foul trouble, you know, he truly has as much potential as maybe anyone on this team. Uh, you know, maybe you put him behind Bagley and Fox, but it's hard. And, and I guess you could say Buddy as well, but it's really hard to, to make the argument that, that Harry Giles can't be great. Uh, I think we all agree he can be great. It's a question of uh, his health and his, his foul stuff, which did diminish towards the end of the season. So I have him right here. Same level I had Holmes. I have him with 12 minutes. I have him splitting those six minutes at the four, six minutes at the five. I think we'll we'll figure out where he is best suited. He was played a lot at the five last season, which confused me a little bit. I see him where it was a four, kind of a point four. You know, he's tremendous with ball movement, great passer, great vision. Uh, but it's more – I would like to give him more here, but I think that there's a lot of sense in managing – his workload considering the the injury history so I'm stuck at 12 where are you at Brendan
2: I have him at the exact same mark I have him at 12 minutes and like you are mentioned it's rough because he has this potential and I th- I would guess that Tim looking forward might have him a little higher and I wouldn't have any objections to that but I like him in that bench lineup and I think that the playmaking is really one of his best skills that you're getting from him there but I need to see more until I'd rather have him as my four or five with the rest of the starters instead of dead men or even homes at times. Um, so I think that my issue was I found I-, I had trouble putting him next to the rest of the starters instead of dead men or homes. So that's what put him at the 12 minute mark for me. Where were you at with that, Tim?
0: You're right. I was, I was higher. Um, One I was assuming Giles is healthy, which Rich brought up a great point. He's played 58 career games in two years, so it's not we can't really count on Giles for much yet. Um, So I'm assuming he's healthy. And the other part that I maybe I was a little bit different than you guys on for my rotation was I tried to more project it onto what I think will happen than what I would want to happen. I think the Kings want Giles to play. I think the Kings will push will push Walton to play Giles. Um, So I have him at 20 minutes a game. Which feels like more than he, I guess you could say, would earn from his performance last year. Like I don't think Giles necessarily um, encapsulates the twenty-minute per guy per game player from what we saw last year, even even with the potential. But I think the Kings will think he is, if that makes sense. And um, his minutes. So I think his minutes will directly impact Wayne Deadman's minutes because I think I can see those two, the better Giles plays, the less Deadman plays, the worse Giles plays, the more Deadman plays, because um, I think Bagley's obviously going to get his minutes, and then Holmes will get the backup big minutes anyway. So um, kind of rambling there, but all that to say, 20 minutes a game is what I think the Kings will have a minute. I also have a theory that Giles is going to get minutes either way, because if the Kings are a playoff contender next year, and I'm talking about like in the 6th, 7th seed for most of the year, Giles is probably playing up post potential and healthy, and if the Kings are well outside the playoff race next year, then he's playing for developmental purposes. So for me, for, for most highest chance of, of minutes for Giles is going to be higher than you two just because I think the Kings want him developed, they want him in games, and they want him playing. I think they want him playing next to Bagley a lot as well, so I have those two paired up quite a bit.
2: Got it. Okay, that makes me curious of your man number a little bit. I know we're going to get to that and. In- I want to point out there was only eight times last year that that uh, Giles played more than 20 minutes. And there was 15 times that he played less than 10. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot of injuries. He had a very up and down year. Rich mentioned foul trouble, throwing him off a lot. But um I don't think Giles is necessarily as much of a need to play well for this team to be in that playoff hunt. I think that uh Deadman can do everything here. And... Honestly, Giles could not be on the roster and I still feel comfortable that this team could be competing for an 8 seed.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because those were my thoughts as well. I think that there's a very real chance that the Kings hang out, you know, in that 6 to 9 slot in the West and you know, even if Giles were sidelined with an injury, I I think that this team even without him is still a solid 10 10, 10 players deep. Um, and I don't think that it hinges on, G- I don't think that this season hinges on Giles, but I'll also say, uh, to kind of contradict Tim's point there, I just, I don't see Giles taking minutes from Bielitza or Deadman because he doesn't have that shooting prowess or at least the history of shooting because I think that's what Bielitza and Deadman are going to be most needed for. However, I do have like a conspiracy theory that Giles is a great shooter, mostly because I've seen it in Stockton. He's eight from 11, eight for 11 from three in Stockton. So I know he's got a smooth stroke. However, you know, until we see it in the, in the NBA, I can't have him taking minutes from Bialytsa. I think that if he were to take minutes from someone, it's probably going to be Rashawn Holmes. But, uh, that, that is certainly the hardest one to predict. I think that. I don't think that any of us feel like a tremendous amount of confidence in knowing what Giles, uh, what Harry's rotation minutes is, are going to look like for this team. But uh, you know, maybe that's a decent, decent transition into Dwayne Debman, who I feel like is very clear cut what his rotation will look like. I have him at 24 minutes, and I think that's, I would, you know, I think that's pretty much the easiest one on this list. He's been a starting center, but not like a 30-minute plus guy. He's been around that 24, 25-minute mark. Uh, for a couple of years I think it makes so much sense with the amount of money they paid him with the uh with the skills that Deadman brings that you know just no one else on the team can also protect the rim and shoot it quite yet I think he's your starting uh center I think he's your closing center so I've got him at 24 minutes what about you Brendan?
2: I actually have him a little bit higher here. I have him at 27 minutes. Um, I agreed. I don't think he's quite maybe that 30 plus range, but I think that uh he's everything that we missed so much in Colley Stein last year and didn't have from that center position. I think that uh, Holmes is the other rim protector on this team, but Deadman also being able to space the floor. I would like to have him out there as much as possible while also still getting some, occasional center minutes to Bagley and throwing some minutes towards Holmes and Giles as well so I'm a little more uh, higher on the Deadman minutes there I have met 27 what do you have there for him Tim?
0: In the middle once again uh, 25 minutes so closer to Rich uh, well actually went in between you two Um, 25 minutes a game all at center Um, you guys mentioned a lot of why we liked Deadman so much this offseason why we wanted to add him as a free agent he's um a volume three-point shooter with accuracy. He's a solid room protector, average rebounder, um good locker room presence as well. I think he'll be an important piece. And to your earlier point, Rich, um he'll have a big impact on the team, even though his talent may not be as high as some of the other guys. He just knows how to play the game and play it well. And um, although we'll see in minutes per game, I think right around we're on the same agreement. He's also missed quite a bit of time over the last few years, so he's averaged about 62, 63 games a year over the last five seasons, so that's going to potentially open up some minutes for some of those other guys as he misses time with little twisted ankles or, you know, whatever else happens to him. So he's going to be really important for this team and, and, um, a very, very underrated free agent signing on a national level that I think is going to help drive us to the, to that eight seed if at all possible.
2: Agreed. Yeah. Chris Kirshner, the athletic cover for the Hawks was mentioning to us that he thinks Deadman's one of the most underrated guys in the league. Uh, I kind of was laying it out and I think he's, in kind of that top 10-ish range, a little bit below that, but he really is that good of a center, and I could not be happy more happy that he's on this roster. Um, I, one thing I'm curious is what you guys think the closing lineups is going to look like.
1: So for me, I've got it the same as the starting lineup, and I think that it is very liable to change, especially as Tim mentioned, as Bagley continues to improve. I think he could... I think there is a chance for him to close games at the five by the end of the season, depending on how his interior defense, again, improves, and maybe his shooting as well. But uh, I do have it as the same as the starting five. So for me, it's Fox, Heald, Barnes, Bagley, and Deadman. What did you have, Tim? Um,
0: Yeah, so I think I agree with you. First 15, 20 games of the season, we're going to see Fox, Heald, Barnes, Bagley, Deadman. I think towards the end of the year, We'll shift to small ball if when possible when the matchup makes sense, which would be Fox, Buddy, Bogey, Barnes. Bagley. That is a lot of bees to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, the killer bees. I like it. But I have a yeah, I have the starting lineup as well. Uh, I, I can't put Deadman out of it, and same with Barnes. So there's not really room for Bogey to slide in there for me. I have a yeah starting lineup. Fox. Buddy Barnes, Bagley, and Edmond.
1: So we're wrapping it up now. I think we've covered everybody. Uh, but one question I had for you guys, was there any lineup, any combination of players that jumped out to you as something that you find interesting or you had any comment on a certain grouping of players? I'll say for me it was I found uh, this small ball lineup that I'm very intrigued in a small ball With Holmes at the five, I mentioned it earlier, but I just feel like a Fox, Buddy, Bogey, Barnes lineup with Holmes is kind of the wrecking ball in the center on a rolls. Uh, That is the lineup I would very much like to see. I'm not sure if we'll see it. I'm not sure how it will work out, but is there
2: any any lineup that you saw, Brendan, that, that jumped off the page to you? I went crazy small ball and the defense that I could find. and. I think that the way that you're getting your offense in this lineup is a lot of transition, is Fox and Joseph both playing together, Areza at the three, Barnes at the four, and then Bagley at the five. Um, I think you also could have Deadman at the five there a little bit, and I don't see you, I don't think you see this very often, but it seemed like one of the best defensive lineups, especially if you were to put Deadman at the five instead of Bagley, but it felt like you needed Bagley for a little bit more offensive creation there. So, that was one that I experimented with and intrigued me a little bit there. Do you have any interesting ones out of left field, Tim?
0: Um, I've got two. So one, I just want to say that um, I think Bogie can play the three spot in, 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 um, in, in, okay, that was what I'm talking about in small portions. Um, I think we both have him there. I think he got a bad rep last year post deadline with Barnes at the four. And that was, that was a, a disaster of a lineup that did not do well, but, when he plays more with the traditional power forward and traditional center, he actually can play that three spot in in spots. Um, the other lineup that I want to talk about um, is a lineup that I don't have existing in my rotation, but uh, Fox, Heald, Barnes, B leads to Deadman. That's a 37%, 42%, 41%, 41%, and 38% three-point shooter, and they're all at their natural position. So that's a lineup that can bomb away, drive. Um, there's not a lot of ball movement in that lineup, which would probably be the biggest concern, but... If the Kings need to score a lot of points quickly, maybe they're down eight or nine points at the end of a half or at the end of the game. Uh, that's a lineup that's going to shoot the lights out and might be one of the best three-point uh, shooting lineups in the entire NBA.
1: Interesting that you have Bealiza in there when you've got him for zero minutes. But uh, <laughs> I betrayed I might, myself. I I might say that that's you know that's another reason to really look at, at you know because I will say we we didn't show each other the rotations that we created before this. So it's pretty damn interesting to me that I think we were within a couple minutes on basically everybody, uh, maybe no more than five minutes from the highest to lowest on each guy, with the with the one notable exception of the So it's something to look at there. But uh, let's get back to the serious questions at hand. The question that everyone out there is uh, really wanting to hear, Tim, is it true that you prefer ham to turkey on Thanksgiving?
0: Oh, for sure. Honey, big ham why not? I mean, it's delicious. It's it's like turkey, even if you cook it really, really well, is fine. Like I can cook a good turkey. I can fry a turkey. I can do all that stuff. But if you put a honey baked ham in front of me, it is a different world and it's more versatile as leftovers as well. No doubt.
1: You're an absolute madman. The turkey is so key (laughs) to that best holiday of the year. And then you need the leftover turkey for the leftover thanksgiving sandwiches so uh i cannot believe you would possibly say these things it, it hurts me to my core but uh what else would you expect from a man that wants andrew wiggins on the kings anyway let's uh let's wrap this up and i really want to give you a chance to plug all your stuff tim um, you are i'll say it the best twitter follow for kings fans out there uh you want to give people your twitter handle and uh, where they can read your work as well
0: yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rich. Uh, so I write for Sacton Royalty with Rich, of course. And then my Twitter handle is at Tim Maxwell 22 It's more commonly known as the Sacton Baby Giraffe. You will find the best food takes, uh, a lot of stats. I like to post a lot of stats. And then um, some things that will upset some people every once in a while, like when Rich convinced me to try to trade Bogdanovich for Andrew Wiggins.
2: I love it. But yeah, thanks again for coming on, Tim. This was a... Uh good little rundown and it'll be fun to compare how our numbers actually match up going into the season but that's going to do it for this episode of the king's pulse podcast thank you to everybody for listening you will hear from us again in the next couple days